part two of a series called Awe and Wonder. Everybody open your mouth like this. That's what, see, you made a noise. I just said open your mouth. That's what awe and wonder looks like. Okay, How many of you have that awe and wonder moment in your life often, uh, kind of like last weekend with a few seconds, I'm still bitter, and the 49ers come back, and I'm just in a negative awe and wonder. Uh, why did that happen to us? We are focusing on the awe and wonder surrounding the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus. And last week, we talked about how, uh, you know, the promises of God, you've said it before, you've sang it, are always yes and amen. That God always comes through with his promises. And, and oftentimes on the Christmas season, even, we forget about the awe and wonder of his promises. And we looked at the story of the virgin birth, which was an amazing, incredible story when you stop and pause and walk through it. Um, and, but we looked at that as our first part of the series to rediscover the awe and wonder of God. And this morning, my prayer is that we would continue to rediscover uh, th- this feeling in this, this mindset of being in awe and wonder of God. And specifically this morning, we're going to talk about the awe and wonder of God's glory. Look at your neighbor and say glory. Glory. A lot of people say that word and have no idea what it means. It is a powerful word. So let's pray this morning. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Jesus, help us to never forget why we celebrate this season, why we're here in church this morning, why we first became a follower of Jesus. Help us to never lose that awe and wonder and help us to rediscover it this season for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. How many of you have ever been starstruck? You see me all the time, so I mean, that counts, right? Anyway. I was having a meeting with Pastor Wayne in Starbucks, and we were just, man, we were just nailing out some things, and I'm taking some notes and, you know, looking at my list and checking it twice and going to find out, you know, what I have to do. You thought I was going to say something else, but I'm sitting there intently listening to him, and all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, number 11 walks in. The point guard, the forward, whatever he is, I love him so much. For the Pelicans, Uh uh-huh, Drew Holiday. And I was just like, wow. And, um, you know, I'm sitting there, and my eyes are just watching him go and sit right there. And now I'm, like, fake paying attention. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And by this time, he sees my eyes wandering over there. And the whole time, I'm faking like I'm paying attention, just being honest. And and, and I'm going, how am I going to get a selfie with this dude? I've got to tell everybody. I've got to announce it to the world. I've got to get on Facebook and let people know that I hung out with Drew Holiday. People have got to know this. I mean, I was just like, you know, a kid in a can. I mean, so excited. Some of you are like, who's Drew Holiday? <laughs> Who are the Pelicans? <laughs> it's a basketball team in New Orleans, but that's beside the point. It doesn't matter. What matters is that, is that I hung out with a famous person that day. Okay, I didn't get a selfie or hang out with him at all, but you know, a guy can dream. And regardless of it's Drew Holiday or not, when you're around someone that you love, that you admire, that may be famous or not, you can't help but want to share that with the world. 
You can't help but say, I was with such and such or so and so. I want to tell people about that. I want to I share that with other people. You would go to great lengths to tell people that you saw that person, that you were literally near them. And, you know, when we're in love for the first time, you know, those, those, those butterflies and those googly-goggly feelings, and you know them. Uh, I mean, my wife still has them for me, but, you know, I, it's just... It's just amazing that feeling you have and you think about that person all the time and, and, and we, you know, we talk about that person all the time with others and you know, same thing with seeing someone famous that we love or you know, maybe you go to a restaurant and you're like, man, I went to, to Shake Shack and the burgers are, I mean, they're so greasy but they're amazing. You've got to try it and you sound like a commercial for them and you just love it so much. It's like, quit telling me about the hamburgers. I'll go already. See, here's the deal. Whatever or whoever you talk about the most reveals what's most important to you. It really does. And you know what else in the day and age we live in? That feed of yours, social media, reveals What's truly important to you? I'll go a step further. Your profile picture, your, your background picture, those things that you talk about, that you share the most, reveals what's, in, what's inside your heart. You know, everyone has this awe and wonder with someone or something. But we have to ask ourselves this question, and especially if you're a follower of Jesus this morning. Do you still have that same awe and wonder for your creator, for the love of your life, as you do with the things and the people that surround you? When we experience Jesus, the most famous one, there's nothing else like it. And it should cause us to shout it from the rooftops. We do that when we first encountered God. But sometimes we just lose it, don't we? I wonder if our family and our friends and our co-workers see the awe and wonder of Jesus that's inside of us. There's no condemnation here, but think about it. Do people see that in you? Do they, do they see that you've been with Jesus? It's always, woe is me. I need prayer. I've got ailments. Which are real. I'm not saying that. But when you're living in those moments and not the moments of awe and wonder, who wants to be in that place? Right? Let me follow Jesus, man. You know, these people complaining and whining all the time. Man, I want something. Give me more. But when you have that awe and wonder experience, when you, when you are in his presence, people can't help but want to be around you and talk to you. You know, maybe... You're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus. And maybe the reason, that you ha- the reason you're not is because you haven't seen this awe and wonder. You know, maybe someone is not sitting next to you in church this morning because they're not truly convinced yet that this Jesus is who he says he is. And maybe it's because, maybe, because you've lost that awe and wonder and that excitement and that, that purpose of revealing it to the world and to your friends and family. And so that's what our goal is this morning. I don't want us to get caught up in words, awe, wonder, glory, 
We're going to talk about that. I don't want us to get lost in those words. I want us to get back to the place where we recognize who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And then the response to that. That's what we're going to focus on this morning. And we're going to look at a few guys that experienced this all and wonder what happened to them in the scripture this morning. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We're continuing the Christmas story. Verse 8 through 20. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. You can follow along on the screen or on your your Bible app. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 through 20. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, look at your neighbor and say suddenly. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, rightfully so, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news How many of you know if it's bad news, it's not good news, which is not the gospel? It's good news. He says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The news that we carry brings great joy. And he says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, there it is again, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, there it is, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had, excuse me, had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, listen, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story threw stones at them and said, you religious fanatic. Nope. Sometimes we have this notion of how people are going to respond to the message and it causes us to paralyze and fear when most of the time people are amazed with the message we have to share them. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks different, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it was just as the angel, the messenger of God, had told them. You know, let's focus on these shepherds for a moment. Verse 8, the the night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. I want to park there for a moment and talk about these fellas, okay? Because a lot of us don't. How many of you are shepherds? Not many of us in Metairie. There ain't no fields around here. But shepherds were considered a lowly class of people. They were uh, like West Bankers. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Whoops. That wasn't in the notes. (laughs) They were... (laughs) Sorry. 
I'm like not looking at some of you right now. They were poor and uneducated people, like people from Bonneville. There you go. I'm from Bonneville. Uneducated people of the Jewish culture. Come back in. They were seen to be unclean. You know, they were even untrustworthy. A lot of people don't know that about these shepherds. And yet God chose them. It's fascinating to me. They were part of the Christmas story just as much as anyone else. They had a critical role to play. It was most likely that these shepherds were in charge of the flocks from which the Jewish sacrifices, and I'm not going to go in on that if most of you understand what that's about, but in Jewish religion, these sacrifices were used for special occasions, and some of you may have heard of the Passover and, and other things like that, but most importantly, they were used as a substitute for people's sins. That was critical there. And they would, these shepherds would have been the first people to see and literally touch this spotless lamb that would be used, that would be brought to the temple and that would be sacrificed for the forgiveness of these people's sins. Kind of neat. But here's the thing, how I, incredibly ironic here in the story that they were the first people to see the true spotless lamb that would take away the sins of the world forever. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that God makes the insignificant very significant? That's what I love about kingdom stuff. See, when I was outside of the kingdom, it wasn't like that. The clicks, the cool, you got to do this, you got to impress, you got God makes the insignificant very significant. It's who he is, and it's why I love him so much. And so these shepherds were in the right place at the right time and doing what they were supposed to be doing so that God's glory would be revealed to them. And then when that happened, these seemingly insignificant individuals became very significant in God's eternal plan. I mean, after all, aren't we talking about them right now, this morning? It's a big deal. And so I think, you know, our impatience in life, especially in in our hurried culture today, us constantly moving from place to place, getting bored with this thing and going here and there. And this church isn't good enough, so let me go to that one. And and this is not happening right. And they're not saying, and we just move. and, And God, here's the deal. These shepherds, they had the, the, the human, the flesh Jesus that they saw. Guess what we have today? We have the presence of Jesus living inside of us everywhere we go. And so those glory moments, as I, as, I, as I think of them, are available to us often. But when we're constantly hopping around and moving, we miss those moments. Because we're looking for something that's never going to satisfy. Anything outside of Jesus and his glory is never, even religious stuff, even seemingly good stuff, is never going to satisfy. Ever. And so we move around and we search for these things, but I think of this image of the shepherds as the image, if you know the story of, of little David, the one, you know the story even if you're in church, when he flings a slingshot and kills a giant. This little guy is tending his sheep. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing, and his brothers are, you know, they do everything right, and they've got PhDs and MEDs and uh, OPPs or whatever, I don't know. And so... They're like, Samuel comes in the prophet and surely he's going to pick one of the older brothers. No, he chooses the seemingly insignificant one, David, who's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's tending his sheep. Sometimes we look for Pharisees when God's looking for fishermen. And I'm being nice by saying sometimes. But 
I really think that God chose David because of his faithfulness to the little things. In Luke chapter 16, 10, it says, if you are faithful in the little things, then God will give you more. He'll entrust you with more. You know, we need to quit comparing our life. We need to quit looking at the Joneses down the street and, and looking at other people's situations and looking at, at what is happening over here. And, oh, and, and even in our church, look at what's happening. I just want to go to California and, and I want to experience that. And I want to chase those, those odd wonder moments. And, and God says, don't chase them. They're going to chase you. You don't need to go after those moments. They can happen right here where you are. They can happen in your living room. They can happen in your car. I'll talk about that in a moment. Something that happened to me recently. So we need to quit doing that. And then the angel appears suddenly to them. In verse 9, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. I don't know about you, I don't have to fully understand what that means to be like, can I have that? (laughs) Can I experience that? Can I have that, that presence, that, that, that amazing awe and wonder experience? I don't need to know how, I just want it to happen. Because I know the fruit of what it does for my life. And, you know, a lot of us don't understand. What is glory? I've said it, I've sang it, I've heard it. But let's look, the glor- glory basically as a noun. It means high renown or honor won by notable achievements. I think God did something notable or magnificence, or, or great beauty. As a verb, it means to take great pride or, or pleasure in something. In the Bible, from the Latin gloria, fame, or renown, it is used in the Bible to describe simply the manifestation of God's presence. See, there is really nothing, as I thought about this message, there really is nothing to compare it to. There's nothing like it. That's why you can't, you can use other situations and other examples, but there's, it won't do justice for God's manifestation, his presence. You know, everywhere we turn, we're surrounded by glory. You think about it. There's glory in, in every tree and flower. There's the splendor and the rising and the setting of the sun. Even the little creatures, we got one living in our house, reflects its own glory, man in his own way, through his actions and character, express an essence of glory. But the glory we see, listen, in creation is but the barest reflection of the greater glory of the creator. Anything you see that you would put in this glory box on earth pales in comparison to God. Glory, I believe, is one of the lost treasures found on earth. And I like this word, it's imprisoned splendor. It's like we cage it in, we experience it, we lock it up. And we don't experience it much in our Christian walk. The purpose and power of God's glory is not just to revel in, to have a cool church service, get the goosebumps and leave and, and not changed. The purpose is not to confine it to an event. You don't have to wait for a conference for the manifestation of God's glory. The purpose is to help us demonstrate and proclaim this glory to a lost and hurting world. That's why it came. And that's why it needs to be 
in our lives today, this awe and wonder. Now, I remember at Western Sizzle in 2001, I remember eating, and I remember I could tell you the moment. I could, I could smell, yes, I could smell the nasty burgers, but I could smell other things and just the, the feeling and, and something incredible happened in that moment. And I didn't need a definition to know But it was the manifestation of God's presence in that moment. And I immediately became a new creation. The old Chris passed away. Behold, all things became new to me. And guess what I did? After I was in the presence of God in that western sizzling, not in church. No one told me the rules yet. Don't drink, smoke, curse, gamble, or watch, you know, whatever. The first thing I did was, oh my gosh, I've got to tell everyone. I've got to tell my family. Surely the moment I tell them, they're all going to experience this. I mean, I was disillusioned, but I couldn't stop sharing it. And the more I shared, the more of his presence I felt. And the more awe and wonder. And then life just happens. And and we become churchy and religious. And we allow those things to, to cloud and get in our way of receiving those moments. No wonder we don't share. We have the greatest message ever. We can't trap it inside. We can't hide it inside. It does just as much for you as it does for for others when you share this message to the world. You know that. So the angel not only embodies God's glory, but also delivers the message of Jesus being born. And Let's look at verse 15 and see how the shepherds respond. When the angels had returned to heaven, the angels returned to heaven, by the way, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was a baby, just as who said, lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said about this child. And you know, after, again, after meeting Jesus, they went and told everyone what they experienced. You've often heard the term testimony. Share your testimony. Write your testimony down and share it. <laughs> and it's true, but it's just talk. Tell people. If it's not that important, then why are we here right now? If it's not a game changer, a life changer. Why didn't you just sleep in this morning? Why are we merging? Why are we going through all this? Why are we, you know, keep your money, keep it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we know that it changes lives. We know that it's the most powerful message ever. We know we're supposed to share. We know, and not a, not a, no amount of evangelism training No amount of classes or sessions is going to get you to get that awe and wonder back. You've just got to position yourself in places where God can manifest his presence. You've got to wake up early and pray. You've got to stop the car. You've got to put down the iPhone for five seconds and say, Lord, I need your glory because Facebook ain't giving it to me. It's making me miserable. It's making me depressed. It's making me angry. So why would you want to proclaim anything to the world, but negativity. We've got to find those moments. We don't need worship leaders to beg you to praise. 
We don't need people to beg you to come to the altar. We don't need to beg you to come to prayer meetings. When you experience the awe and wonder of God's glory, you will want to live here. You want to live in His presence. These men went back changed, the Bible says. And God's deep longing, folks, His deep longing is to reveal this glory to you. Not once, not twice, but over and over and over. Are you telling me Christianity is all about emotions? No, but it's a part because God is an emotional God and he gave us emotions. I'm not just saying we need to be dumb and we need to not study the word, but God wants to reveal his glory. Why? Because there's still lost people in Metairie. There's still lost people in New Orleans. There's still lost people in the world. And because from the beginning of creation, when God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit were together, they said, we want to share. We want to share this with our creation. Not not just give it to them and then let them live miserable lives on earth. We want them to live in this present, live in this state of awe and wonder. Folks, it's impossible to be with Jesus and stay the same. And you can say, well, that's not true. I'm pretty miserable. <laughs> it's impossible. I will boldly say that because in my own life, I know it to be true, even as a minister. So sometimes I have to feed my ministry habit by Ubering. <clears throat> you know, Christmas, a dog got sick, and it's like, okay. <laughs> and so, you know, on my day off, I decided to go Uber and... I don't know if you've ever Ubered or Lyft, but you get some sketchy people in your car, (laughs) okay? And matter of fact, even if I wouldn't get paid to do it, I would probably still do it because I need to be in those moments where I realize that there's lost and hurting people. Because when you hang around with a bunch of Christians, no offense, religious, religious things and stuff, sometimes you forget and I was driving in the car, and I was just, there were so many uncomfortable situations I was in in those moments. And I realized, as I was working on this message, while I'm driving, I'm like, Chris, you have a perfect opportunity to pull the car over and just get in God's presence. And I'm going to tell you something. It's kind of funny because the next, I mean, the presence of God falls in my car, and I'm, you know, in the middle of the thing, and that. Some of you are like, what did he just do? But, you know, and people are walking around and everything. And, the, and it's funny because um, the next person I got in my car, I found out after I shared the entire gospel with him that he was a pastor. But still, you know, I still experience God's presence. And he allowed me to share with him. But it, but it was good. And you see, I, I had to take the moment. I didn't say, oh, if, if i just going to wait till Sunday to feel your presence, God. I, just, I hope John plays my song. I, I, I hope Life Songs plays it. because No. I had God's glory is all over the earth. I have to reposition my life to be in it. Remember, because the purpose is to reveal it to the lost and hurting world. John, you can come on up. You know, when Felicity and I were dating, um, I mean, she was just head over heels in love with me. I mean, (laughs) the girl just wouldn't stop talking about me, wanted to spend time with me. And um, we did all kind of special things together. 
And, um, you know, it's like, you know, you have those high hopes, you know, like, on our honeymoon, we're going to pray every morning, and we're so spiritual, and then you have kids. <laughs> you know, we've had those special moments dating that we hope to bring into our marriage, and, you know, life happens. You lose that love and feeling. Whoa, that love and feeling. Is mm-hmm. Sorry. Seriously, I, I really think, whether it's a marriage or your relationship with Jesus, you have to intentionally, this is what I mean, it's not about just emotions. You have to intentionally make the choice to reposition your life or to, to be available for those glory moments. You don't have to have this vast understanding. I, I, once I'm a theologian, then I'll get it. No. The shepherds. <laughs> well, once I, once I give enough, I get the, 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 the shepherds. <laughs> once I do, the shepherds humble us and help us to understand that it just simply, simply takes your willingness to be in God's presence at any moment. Whether you're at work, go sneak off to the bathroom and just sit there. God, I'm about to go insane on this person in this meeting. I need your glory. And suddenly, you don't just become an employee. You become a Christian in that meeting. You become a lighthouse in that meeting. You become what God created you to become, his mouthpiece. And there's no about it. You don't debate with atheists. You don't debate with people because we'll lose. Then you need to be a theologian. Then you need to be super smart. No. God says, just get in my presence. And when you stay in my presence, don't come out until that glory falls, until you're changed. And then you don't have to choose because when you walk out of those moments, you will want to declare it, shout it from the rooftops. Jesus is Lord. Hebrews 1.3 says the Son, Jesus, radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. See, we should radiate God's glory also if we've been with Jesus. So, what do we do now? I always say, what do we do tomorrow? How do we get back these moments? We need to be starstruck again with our wonder of Jesus. Taylor Swift is cool, but Jesus is cooler. (laughs) Jesus made Taylor Swift (laughs) and others. It's okay to be starstruck. It's okay to, you know, to... I mean, me and Drew Brees will probably be hanging out Monday night. You know, we're just friends. It's not, not a big deal, to, you know. We hang out often on, on Instagram. But, you know, I mean, I send him messages. He's too busy to respond. But, you know, it's like, it's okay to have, you know. It's okay. It's okay to, to like people, to love people, to be. But, man, nothing compares to Jesus. Nothing compares to Jesus. Get in those places where you receive the awe and wonder of God's glory so it spills out of you this holiday season. 
Don't get so caught up in the parties. Don't act like I don't know you are dreading gone to the in-laws, okay? I mean, I don't. I love my in-laws. But you are dreading it. You're thinking, I got to go to, I have to. It's mandatory. I have to go do this. I have to go to my kids' play. I have. And that's kind of sad. Pastor Wayne was excited about going to hear Lincoln sing. You know, I, I'm sure he wasn't trying to, to get a record deal for him. No. He just wanted to let his son know that he was proud of him by just physically being there. Here's what I'm saying. Don't look at it as another party. Don't look at it as another gift. Look at it as the greatest opportunity in the year to get in God's presence, to experience his glory, and then share it in all of these opportunities you have, strategic opportunities over the holiday season. With the Walmart cashier who's working late. With the doctor who's like, quit coming to me. It's a bump. Stop hitting it, okay? I'm not downplaying your ailments. I'm just saying, pay attention to people. But the only way you'll do that is if you're in his presence often. Amen? Would you stand with me? This is the greatest opportunity to experience the awe and wonder and share it with the world. Don't miss Christmas. Don't miss this opportunity. Yes, it's available all year long, but this is such a strategic time of year for us. We enjoy the presence of God and we share it with the world. And hopefully you'll invite someone in the church next week. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to recapture the awe and the wonder of who you are. Of what you've done for us. God, if there is anyone here in this moment, and I'm asking our prayer team to come up to the front right now. If there's anyone here, Lord, in this moment that has never experienced the awe and wonder of Jesus before, that they would not leave this place without surrendering their life to them, to him. If any, anybody in this room, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never experienced that awe and wonder of who he is, he is, he's the reason I'm here. He's the reason I live and breathe. You can change the trajectory of your life by making the decision to follow Jesus this morning. And listen, if you follow Jesus, you can change the trajectory of someone else's life by sharing this message with them. So do not leave here. If you need prayer for anything, if you need prayer to give your life to Jesus, if you need healing, whatever it is, come on up to the front. Everyone else, I want to bless you as we go. Father, bless them and keep them. May your face shine upon them. May you be gracious to them. May you give them peace for the journey. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. If you want, make sure you hug Pastor Wayne's neck. And 5 o'clock, our Christmas party for volunteers. You'll be here tonight. We love you.